The Gospel reading can be found on page 1507 of the Church Bibles and comes from St. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 8, beginning at verse 1. Jesus responds to a man's request for healing. When Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. So Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, be clean, he said. Immediately the man was cured of his leprosy. Then Jesus said to him, See that you don't tell anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. This is the Gospel of Christ. Shall we pray? Father, as we come before your word this morning, together in your name, we pray that you would be with us, you would help us, that you would remind us of who you are and who we are because of you. Amen. Um, before this, this time together, this service, the prayer ministry team had these words for us as a church, which I think are interesting. Uh, the church is experiencing a spiritual shutdown. And health issues that have left people drained and tired. Spend time resting in me that I may restore you and invigorate you. Words to sort of hold on to, perhaps at the moment, for many of us, uh, but also as a church collectively about who we are. Behold, a leper came down. Uh, sorry, but no, leper didn't come down. Let's not get that right. <laughs> sorry. We'll start over. We'll start over. Um, we've been following a series of stories uh, on the nation's favourite Bible stories based on Bible Society research. It's a very interesting range of stories. Last week, we picked up John 3.16, which very much identified how Jesus saw his mission to the world, what he had come to do, and a little bit, if you like, of who he was, God's son. And so we find ourselves with this story, uh, which ranked higher, actually, than John 3.16, uh, as an important one that the people around us and ourselves should understand and know. It's important. Last week, so John 3.16, we remember, whoever believes in me should have everlasting life. It's an important thing. We're starting to explore what it is in faith, what it is to have faith. And, and this story is quite helpful in pinning down some of those elusive ideas rather than wishes or I feel this is what the word of God says. So I'll try and stick to our what, so what, now what format. Uh, and what is being unclean keeps us from being with God. There were regulations about this in Leviticus 13 and 14. Two whole chapters uh, devoted to skin disease. Uh, that's, that's quite uh, expansive, I think. And it was an important issue within the community of God. And 
the Leviticus distinguishes between two kinds of uncleanness, temporary uncleanness, touching unclean things, unclean food, uh, dead animals, corpses, and things like that, for which there was a remedy. You would see the priest make the appropriate sacrifice, and you could be restored to the community. But there was a, a more difficult uh, kind of uh, unclean skin disease, which is the kind we're dealing with here, leprosy itself, uh, which was not temporary, but a permanent and disfiguring and contagious disease. And we've, we've probably, I, I don't know how many of you remember school assemblies where somebody came in from a leprosy mission. I mean, I, I do. Our school seem to have a lot of people coming in from those. Um, it, it's an important, it is a real thing, and it is isolating and debilitating and f most often fatal. It's, it's a very difficult thing. And so lepers, or people with leprosy, were required to stay outside of the community. They were to remind other people that they were unclean. What they had could contage, uh, could infect other people and bring them into um, to death as well. It's a, it's a very serious issue. And medically today, we would probably treat this uh, very differently. But in these times, with limited resources and limited understanding, perhaps, we are talking about how do we prevent something infesting itself in the community of God? So lepers had a tough time. Uh, you can imagine um, that they, you know, it's horrible. There's stigma associated with it. Oh, your family's got a leper. You can imagine the families around them. Remember what AIDS was like, you know, in the 80s when we started to discuss what that was like. The, the stigmas attached to that. Well, I suspect leprosy was similar that people would know one, you know, people would know uh, people in their community that they would be uh, really quite uh, thought poorly of. And it prevented them coming to God. It prevented them coming to worship. It, it kept them outside of the temple, outside of the tabernacle, outside of God's presence. And there's something horrible about that. There's something debilitating about that. But it was a regulation to protect the people. When you come in from walking your dog or whatever it is you do, you've got your muddy boots. You take them off before you enter the house. When you come to the table, you wash your hands. We want things to be clean. Coming into God's presence, it requires some kind of understanding that I need to be clean. And so that's important for this story. This man can't get clean. Imagine how frustrating that is. I can't deal with the single biggest issue that I want. The isolation, the loneliness, the stigma, the illness, the pain. All of those things that he's handling, which, what make, which makes what he does next quite staggering, really, doesn't it? A leper came and worshipped Jesus. He came and worshipped Jesus. Matthew places this story at the end of Jesus' teaching about the Sermon on the Mount. We, did, we looked at the Sermon on the Mount last year, and it explained in great big terms, big picture ideas about what the kingdom of God was like. This is the very first incident after he finishes that sermon. So what does the kingdom of God look like when, when, when people see Jesus at work? 
What, is, what impact is it going to have? And for this man, what he does is really daring, because I'm pretty sure that around the Sermon on the Mount crowd, he would have been kept far out of earshot. You can stay where you are, my friend. You're not, he's, you're not coming up this mountain to listen to this man. This is something of God at work here. So what, does, what happens is that God, as Jesus Christ, is now demonstrating his kingdom. And this man, who can only have heard whispers, could only have heard rumors about what this man was like, about this Jesus and about what he was like, comes and worships Jesus. Look at how he worships him. In the reading, we see that he does some interesting things. He prostrates himself, kneels face down before him. When was the last time we did that? At home, in our prayers, at worship in the evening or in the morning. I know some people do. But he prostrated himself. He submitted to God. He made himself nothing before Jesus Christ. And all he has done is he's heard some things. And he calls him Lord, Kurios, Master, God, Divine One. He gives him the right title. His position, both physically and spiritually, is I know who you are and I'm nothing before you. A very powerful uh, image uh, for us to hold on to sometimes. Because by that's because that's who he is. He realizes something about Jesus that he needs. And then he makes this really important statement. Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Well, I wonder which bit of that phrase, that sentence, stands out for you. Lord, we've talked about him. He's recognized Jesus for who he is. If you are willing... I think that's probably a very resonant phrase. But for me, the thing that stuck out, stuck out was, you can make me clean. You can make me clean. And I think that's the important thing. These are big faith steps by this leper. I understand, I think I understand who you are, and I believe I know what you can do as a result, but it's because of who you are. Let's have a look. Charles Price describes faith as an act or belief when we express our trust in someone or something to do what we hope for on our behalf. We trust that the chair that you're sitting on will not give way. We trust that Beryl's brakes will hold. We trust that the things that we are doing will make sense. We'll trust that when we get in a car, it will, or a bus or a train, it will, well, not a train, we don't trust those anymore, but we trust that it will do for us what we've asked, what we expect of it. When we express faith in something by sitting on it or, or getting on it to travel somewhere, we want it to do something for us. Price argues that faith is when we express our trust in Jesus to do something for us. Because of who he is. Because of who he is. He has the ability to do it. It's not just that he's asking that Jesus would be willing. He's identifying, you can make me clean. You have that capacity. You have that power. 
He recognizes that power by submitting to him in recognizing his authority. And he puts himself right at Jesus' feet, right at Jesus' mercy. And he's expressing his trust in Jesus' ability because of who he is. I think that's important. I think we, it's important to make that distinction. We can talk church land, we talk quite a lot about is he willing or will he, won't he? And we talk about God's character or nature and we forget about his sovereignty. We forget that he might have plans for us. We forget that by submitting ourselves to Jesus Christ, we've entered into a relationship where he is the master and we are the servant. He is the king and we are his people. He is God. And sometimes we, we want, we, it's dangerous, isn't it, to say, well, he would do that, won't he? Well, he will do this. And it leads to tragedy and disappointment when he doesn't. And what would we be like if he did everything we wanted? What a bunch of tyrants the church would be. Can you imagine the infighting? Well, God's going to do this for me. Well, he's going to do this for me. It's like those playground arguments where you say, I'm going to get my dad on you. No, God is wiser than we are. We don't really understand who we are properly, do we? And we haven't really got a great big glimpse, but we trust him because he is God. And that shapes, that should shape us. That should lead us. That should help us get through. That should encourage us, actually. Because the person in your corner is God. And the situation you're in isn't the end because he is eternal and has other plans. We read in Romans 8, 28, we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. We bring ourselves into a relationship where faith says, whatever's going on, I trust you. Wasn't it David who said, Though he may slay me, I will put my trust in him. He's, he's, he's in control. He's God. He's bigger. He's bigger than the situation we're in. He's bigger than our understanding of it. He's bigger than our, our, our thoughts about how to get through it. And that should give us hope. That gives us the ability. That gives us the option to say, you know what? This isn't the end. This isn't it. There's more. I can't see it, but there will be. And I think, it's a difficult, I think it's a difficult theology in Western, relatively comfortable Western Christianity to come by and, and understand sometimes. But if you've been afflicted, if you've been hurt, if you've been damaged, if you've been ill, if you've been uh, diagnosed with things that don't just go away, if you're wrestling with who you are, then, then God is, is, gives us something better to look forward to. And this leper sees that. Lord, you can make me clean. This story um, ends happily, doesn't it? Jesus is demonstrating uh, his, that, that he does. Is because of who he is, he has the power. And in this circumstance, he is willing. And what we see is this, I am willing, be clean. Reminds perhaps, reminds perhaps uh, when Princess Diana first went to a ward with AIDS patients and the, and the press coverage that got, the capacity she had to sort of reach into people's difficult lives and say, I want to help you, 
I don't know the way forward, but I want to go there with you. I want to walk with you. And we often forget that that's actually the most important thing. Death isn't the worst case scenario. Death without Jesus is. That's, that's the eternal problem. That's the big issue that we wrestle with. That's where we're going with Christ. That's what we've put our hope in when we say we are in him. And this leper doesn't even know about the resurrection. And we do. So what great opportunity we have to say, I trust this man even more. I trust this Jesus more than you can imagine. And what is the response to the person for this person? What does Jesus call him to do? Well, initially, don't go and tell anyone. That's quite interesting, isn't it? I think we'd be running around saying, I've been healed. But in this context, in this culture, I want you to go and prove to the priests who are going to certify that you're clean and then go and be a witness to them, the people that you live amongst. The priest would have made sacrifice, would have performed the checks that priests would have done as prescribed by Leviticus 13 and 14. He would have declared this man clean to be amongst the community, able to come in and worship. It would have taken over a week to sort that out. He would have had to walk to Jerusalem. I imagine he had quite a spring in his step. He was a changed person, but he was going to experience God's grace and his affirmation of him for the first time in years, perhaps ever. And he comes into the presence of the priest, and the priest declares him clean, and then he is able to come back to the community, back to the people, and he is a witness as a testimony to them. Witnesses of God's restoration. Be a witness. Go and show yourself. Be a testimony to the people. I wonder, how can you be a sign? How can you be a testimony to the people? How has God transformed us or you? What are the things that you thought nobody could cure that he could deal with? What are the things, deep-seated things? Perhaps we're not thinking medically, but perhaps we're thinking about doubt, fear, insignificance, pride, long histories of stuff that we don't want to rake up. God, if you... If you're willing, you can change us. You can take that away. Those things that prevent me from walking freely in your presence, those things that stop me being the person you've made me to be, called me to be, created me to be, then you can deal with those if you're willing, because you can. We come to the presence of one who can. Last, thing, last week, I hinted at the things that stop us believing this is true, that it's a trick, it's a trap, I'm not worth it, it'll cost me too much. This, this man, this leper, experienced none of it. None of those things are true for this man. Jesus had the power. He made him clean. There was no trap. There was no trick. It was demonstrated. It was witnessed. It was verified. He did it because he wanted to, because he loved him, because he's able to. Walking with God takes us into places where we're, we're in the presence of someone more able than us. More able to deal with things than we can. More able to overcome arguments and, and, and difficulties and unsurmountable problems than we think. But Jesus walks with us, helps us, heals us, shows us the way, 
because he alone is able. Should we be still? Just in this moment, it may be the only time you've managed to stop this week and maybe reflect on where you've got to in your life so far and what, what's in the way and what's holding you down. Things you're still holding on to. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would speak to us this morning. Help us to dwell in you. We thank you that you are able. And we ask that you be willing to heal. We thank you that you've taken our pain on the cross, demonstrated new life in the resurrection. Lord Jesus, we thank you. Help us to walk with you. Amen. Shall we turn to a confession? Perhaps just be still.